Gordon Lightfoot. Gone at the age of 84. I'm Jerry Yegar in for John Moore this morning. He'll be back with you tomorrow. And now the morning brief. Tim Hudak joins me, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives. He's now with the Ontario Real Estate Association. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Jerry Yegar. Gordon Lightfoot fan? I, I am. I, I've got. To, I'm sad to see him. See, sad to see him go. I mean, a Canadian icon. But but two particular things come to mind when I hear his music, um, and including on News Talk 1010 this morning. My dad was a huge Lightfoot fan. My dad, uh, who passed away a couple of years ago, would bring out a guitar from time to time. Whether that was at a campfire as uh, kids, he loved singing Gordon Lightfoot or Jerry driving around uh, listening to the AM radio. Uh, singing along, if I could, if you could read my mind, is one I really associate with my dad. And then, and then number two, um, my wife Debbie took us on a on a hot date when Gordon Lightfoot reopened Massey Hall late November, two thousand and twenty one. Massey Hall had been closed down for three years. That was COVID, and that was renovations. And Gordon Lightfoot took the stage. Forget this, a hundred and seventy first time at Massey Hall with his guitar. And while his voice has lost it a bit, you can forgive him. It was just a magic night. You see him get the the key to the city and perform on that stage with my beautiful wife uh, beside me. That's a, that's a memory I'll always treasure. Yeah, I saw him a few years ago, and, and the voice, well, I was less kind earlier this morning than you just were. I mean, the voice wasn't there. But it didn't matter to me, and I could tell it didn't matter to anybody in the audience. I mean, we were there, and Gordon Lightfoot was up on stage, and we were just thrilled to be a part of it. And uh, he was so, he was entertaining, he was personable, he was a uh, great entertainer, and he wrote all of those songs, and the fact that he couldn't sing them the way that he did on the records, it didn't matter. That it was still pin drop silent, uh, Jerry, and it, it, remember him walking off the stage, we were seated on the, the side, and he walks off the stage... <laughs> he gets just like a foot behind the curtain waiting for the encore. And that, again, that's forgivable. He yeah. couldn't walk too far. But he made it back on the stage. I can't remember if it was the encore, if it was um, M. Fitzgerald he sang. But it was, it was um, magical and just quiet in that house, except yeah. for him and his guitar. All right, so there's a group that has come forth, Tim, banadsforgambling.ca. I don't know who all these people are, although John Seale is uh, a part of this group, apparently. And I'm going to read you from their webpage. We are concerned about the impact of gambling advertising on sporting events. Harms from gambling include financial problems, stress to families, youth and children, mental health issues, including addiction and even suicide, among other documented economic and social issues that negatively affect Canadians. And gambling ads in both content and frequency are particularly enticing to adolescents and other vulnerable persons, especially those struggling with gambling addiction. Furthermore, the exhortation to gamble demeans the spirit of sport. Are you with them? No, quite, quite the opposite. Um, yeah, I, I, I know a number of them. Uh, this is, um, look, I think this represents a, uh, a slice of, uh, of Toronto's uh, elite People that have been successful in life, uh, quite a bit of an older crowd uh, on that list or, or in the halls of academia. And it just strikes me as the kind of people that we saw during COVID that like to tell us what to do. Well, they've still got that itch, Jerry, so they want to ban ads for, for gambling. I, I was involved with this issue, man, early days when I got into politics when casinos were coming into the province. And I remember one of my opponents on the stage saying, you know, Tim, if you have a daughter, and I'm having two, if you have a daughter, she's either going to work at the casino as a cocktail waitress or a prostitute, right? We had this kind of overblown Seriously? rhetoric. Who said oh, that? Oh, yeah, that was one of his arguments from the stage. I can hear it in my ears 
today and you had that kind of out of lunch mentality and um, look that actually legalized uh, gambling. It took it out of the black market. It helped create jobs, especially in my home area there in Niagara. And it was good old-fashioned adult entertainment and a lot of fun. Plus, we're heavily regulated. I used to do that job, too. Ontario has a lot of funds that come out automatically. I think it used to be about two cents on the dollar to go to uh, combat gambling uh, addiction. And, and I fought long and hard, too, to make sure, you know, to, for that we could have sports betting and people could cross the border and, and, and uh, gamble in our casinos on sports uh, or do the online gaming. We used to have a fixed game in Ontario, right, where you had to have a parlay multiple, you had to do multiple games at once. It was a, a, a bad bet for anyone. So uh, the fact that we've modernized this, it is legitimate adult entertainment, and I'm just tired of the busy bodies constantly lecturing us on how we can spend our leisure time. All right. Um, well, I'm more or less with you. I think if you want to make the argument against legal gambling, that's a different argument. But that uh, that horse has left the barn, so to speak. And I believe that as long as uh, a product or a service or whatever it is is legal, they should be able to advertise. I think the rules on advertising for cigarettes and alcohol are stupid. And by the way, I think smoking is stupid. Uh, but but that said, it's a legal product, and so I, and 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 I'm also with the people who are a little tired of the frequency of the game ads on TV um, you know it's just like oh my gosh uh, but still that's not a reason to ban it but let's move on no. how, how are you going to pick you're, you're you've been involved in politics you your Debbie has been involved in politics so you're a political family how do you choose out of 59 candidates which one you're going to vote for for mayor well, I look at it this way. It's kind of, I'm a sports fan, too. I know you are, Jerry, as well. It's like the NCAA basketball tournament, right? 64 teams enter. I guess now it's up to 68. So 50-something, that's that's nothing. They will get whittled down to an Elite Eight and I think probably a Final Four. So how's that going to happen? Well, the first round is going to be Friday, May 12th. That's the actual deadline where you put up or you shut up. That's when you can raise and start to spend funds on advertising, social media promotion, that kind of thing. So what's going to happen there, Jerry, is the pretenders will fall off. Just like the NCAA tournament, I think you'll see candidates emerge on the right. Uh, Chief Saunders, I think, is going to clearly going to be the lead candidate on the right. I think Anna Bailao is going to, I'm confident, be the centrist candidate. I think you'll see Bradford drop off. Mitzi Hunter won't run, among others. You may have two candidates on the left. Olivia Chow and Josh Matlow may both advance. But I think you will get down. There'll be other hangers on, right? But you'll get down to those key candidates. Anthony Fury may be the Cinderella, to keep my NCAA analogy going, but that's what will happen next. What we're going to need, though, maybe Jerry Agar can start this. I'll join in with my housing advocate hat on. You actually need some real debates. I mean, a way to put their feet to the fire and not something that resembles some, you know, student council uh, election on a poor-looking stage, but actually pick out the top candidates, put them on the stage on a couple of occasions, and grill them so voters will have an honest choice. That's what I hope happens. That first stage of winnowing down, that's going to start happening May 12th. Well, coming up at 6.35, I'm going to talk to pollster John Wright, and that is, how do you figure out the real voter intention when there are nearly 60 candidates? Because if you look at the polling as it exists, you might not get Anthony Fury into the debates. And let me tell you, he would light up the debates. Whether you choose to vote for him or not, uh, the guy can make an argument and take on an argument that's put to him. So um, I think he'd be interesting in the debates. But, you know, if you've got, you can't put 59 people up on stage. Um, but I'll get into that with uh, John 
done right just with the minute or so we have left here. As King Charles prepares for his coronation on Saturday, some senators and other politicians, MPs, want to abolish the requirement that politicians and parliamentarians pledge loyalty to the monarch. Instead, they say you should be swearing an oath to Canada or the Canadian people. You've sworn some oaths. What do you think? Yeah, I've done, what, six of them after my six uh, successful elections, and then I think three uh, as a cabinet minister. Look, I swore an oath to the Queen. I swore an oath to the Queen, not because she was going to put me on Zoom and give me my marching orders, but because it was symbolic. She's the head of state of our country. It's the embodiment of Canada, plus I am a traditionalist. So I would happily swear an oath again, and I'd sing God save the King now just for the sake of it. I like our traditions in this country. However, look, if you feel that you are an exception to this rule, that after over uh, uh, 155 years of tradition, you've got your own, I do think you've got the right to do that. Dominic Agostino was an MPP, 1995, got to look the same time as me, and refused to sign the oath. And he said he wanted one that uh, would pledge allegiance to Canada. It's been allowed for some time in our province. I think it's okay. I just wouldn't do it. I'd keep the tradition going. Okay, I was born in this country, so um, I have a right to be here from that standpoint. Um, and I, if I had to, I would swear an oath to Canada and the Canadian people. But no, I'm not loyal to King Chuck, to be honest to you. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't get me going, Tim. But I appreciate your time this morning. All right, Jerry, have a great day.